your mother. It's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just a couple of feathery brethren weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like bacon, steaks, and cheese. It's Philadelphia. Bowen shielding the cut, kicking it cooler than two penguins. Still bows old arch nemesis. Greg Cosell shows up and it gets real. Pull up a branch and chill. It's time to get ill with some Birds with Friends. The early bird skips the worm and prefers getting turned like a turn on some Birds with Friends. Bowen for party are coming at you with stats and things flapping their wings. The Eagles are Super Bowl champions. I'm going to get drunk. Where them beers, where them beers. All bottles on Mr. Lurie tonight. Damn, that's going to make me throw up. What was it like to have Bradley Cooper in the booth? We had the best. No one could have got me a Caprice. Where's the ball security? Touchdown, Tom. Loser. Nick Foles never lost the Super Bowl. Yes, and unfortunately, uh, Nick Foles is still on this roster after the Eagles trade deadline. Very upset about that, but very excited to have the Birds with Friends crew with me tonight. Shil Kapadia, Bo Wolf. Guys, how was London? It was good, and I was going to come on here, and I was just going to crush you in our first time together. Yes. Because I heard you, you know, using some great stats in the last segment, but then you did credit the Athletic Philadelphia, so good to be here. That's what you call the biz, bro. We're getting a little little tease where I got the stats from. You You just got to make sure that they held on long enough to get the source of the information. That's right. That's right. It was good. It's great to be here. The Golden Tate trade, so much to get to. Be a fun hour. Flew in today from Paris. How was Paris? And boy, are my arms très fatigué. <laughs> Is Paris nice? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, but like, I feel like tr- Paris has to be the single most overrated city. You've never, what a, what a, what a take of that where you've never been. I don't care. <laughs> Who cares about Paris? Paris to me <laughs> seems like. Do you like food? Do you like, yeah, but do you like drinking? I like. I don't like. Do drink- you like drinking all day long? First off, wine is disgusting. I don't like wine. <laughs> okay. Also, French food. All right, let's move. What on. is French food? Like it doesn't it doesn't have a home. You like nothing- steak and fries. How's no, that sound? That's not, that's not real French. Like steak is American. <laughs> steak frites is not. Uh, steak not is American. That's okay. not. That's not anything. But I'm glad that you're back home safe. I, I really do. So am I. Like I wasn't ready to do a whole show of Shield. Like I was. I was a little nervous about that. Me you're Shield- not alone, my friend. <laughs> Would have been a nightmare. So the Golden Tate trade goes down where you guys, you were still overseas, probably oui. freaking out. We, oui. <laughs> You're not going to start talking French. <laughs> and you were obviously here back at the press conference. I was. Initial reactions to the Golden Tate trade, what were they? Well, the initial reaction was that uh, I thought Howie Roseman was going to do something. You know, we, we talked about it, I think, during last week's episode. He is not a man to sit still and say, oh, we'll be fine if there are deals out there. To get done, he's going to explore all of them. That's sort of been his aggressive nature since he got into the league. So this wasn't the specific player I thought they were going to target. But uh, I felt like they were going to do something, and they did do something. And we're we're going to have a nice heated debate about it. Yeah, my initial reaction was that seems like a bit of a heavy price to pay. And and as it has sat longer, I feel worse and worse. And so we will get to that. So let's get get right into it. Uh, We have a very – I know we usually start the show with the three main questions. But given the Golden Tate trade and given how just despondent Bo Wolf is about the, about the Golden Tate trade, we decided to start tonight's Bird with Friends with a flock trial. Folks, who wants to go first? I'll go first. Bo wants it to go should first. please the court. You've been, all right, did you think about this on your, how long was the plane ride? About eight, eight hours. Was this your whole eight hours? Yeah, I watched like three and a half movies. Wow. Dude, dude, look at his computer screen right now. He's got like a 3,000-word a essay written down, so don't let him fool you. Yes, he, he was thinking about this. I love it. Thank you, Judge Fritz. <laughs> and to our listeners, or uh, the jury, rather, for your time today on this, the most anti-dentite of all the holidays. 
We are here because of the Eagles' short-sighted acquisition of a 30-year-old third or fourth option, free agent to be, in exchange for the heavy price of a 2019 third-round pick. I intend to prove that this trade by the Eagles' front office was so delusional that not only does it fall flat on its near-term merits, but it calls into question whether the franchise will remain a contender in the years ahead. Wow. First, let's talk about the deal itself, the cost paid and the player acquired. Mr. Kapadia will do his best to count on a future compensatory pick to frame the deal as a 2019 third-round pick in exchange for eight games of Golden Tate and a 2020 fourth-round pick. But we're not just talking about a difference of one round. We're talking about about a 50-pick drop, given the likelihood of where the picks are likely to fall. It's the difference between, say, Kareem Hunt, who was taken 86th overall, about two-thirds of the way through the third round in 2017, and uh, Josh Sweat, who was taken at 130 last spring, before the comp picks even started. Conservatively, the Eagles have significant midterm needs at running back, wide receiver, at least two offensive line spots, at least two defensive line spots, safety, just to start with. They now have one fewer asset to address one of those needs, which creates a cycle of chasing your tail in which you reach for needs, draft the wrong guys, rinse, repeat. That is how bad franchises operate. As for the player, there's no doubt that Golden Tate is a good receiver. He's been one of the best Pass catchers over the past several years. He's on pace for his fourth 1,000-yard season in the past five years. He seems like a likable guy. I like the IRS anecdote he dropped at the press conference today. I might not invite him over for dinner with the family if I was Carson Wentz, but he's a fun guy to watch. The fit is odd, though. The Eagles do not lack middle-of-the-field options or players who can win in the short and intermediate areas. And, yes, the majority of his production has come inside where the Eagles already have Nelson Aguilar but he has a track record of production on the outside, too. I know that's true. However, the nature of that production on the outside further emphasizes the oddness of the fit. In 2018, when running routes on the outside, the average air yards on passes thrown to Golden Tate is just 4.6, which is fifth worst in the league. Last year, he had the fourth lowest total. In 2016, he was 69th out of 88 qualifying receivers. He may be able to break down uh, big plays with his yards after catchability, but he does not change the shape of the Eagles' offense in a way that I think most people would think that the Eagles do need. Which brings me to the crux of the issue laid bare here, a glaring lack of realistic self-scouting. More pointedly, delusion. We are to believe that Doug Peterson, without Frank Reich and John Filippo, is going to find a way in one week to incorporate Golden Tate smoothly into the offense when he's failed to unlock Aguilar and similar, a similar if less talented player for half a season. I believe the Eagles are still clouded by last February's confetti shower and have not yet accepted the shortcomings of the offensive coaching front this season. Who knows? Perhaps the deal came about because of pressure to give the staff more toys from with which to play. The more important delusion, though, regards the state of a middle-of-the-road 4-4 four and four team. Whatever the cause, an aging offensive line, a depleted running backs core, an aging defensive line, a lack of playmakers, a linebacker, a shoddy secondary, coaching on both sides of the ball. There is no evidence through eight games that the 2018 Eagles are a team with Super Bowl upside, as well as Carson Wentz may be playing. This is very much not the type of team that should be sacrificing valuable future assets for a short-term rental player who is not a plug-and-play fit. I would further submit to the jury that if the Eagles really thought a stunted season of Golden Tate was worth a third-round pick, they should have made the deal a month ago. And if Josh Adams' backside had hit the ground a split second later, this trade probably never gets made.
In sum, if the Eagles intend to operate with panic as the primary motivator, tossing the long view into the wind, then I'm suddenly terrified that Carson Wentz's prime years will be wasted away alongside a never-ending cast of breaking and broken veterans. These are not easy decisions, and being a general manager is very hard. I understand the pull to make a run at at a Super Bowl defense. However, over the long term, success requires following your head over your heart. And that is not what happened with this trade. I rest my case. I think you spent a long time with that. We got the, the, about, the hot take. I love it. about eight minutes. I think you spent a long time on the flight thinking about uh, that take. The thoughts were there. I just had to get them down. So eight at eight seven two nine ninety four ninety four. We heard both side. Now, Sheil, please present your case. Well, I apologize uh, to the court for that nonsense. I saw people eating chips. Yawning. I saw Jack tell tell a caller have him call back later because it's going to take a while. So I apologize uh, for that. I mean, talk about an overreaction there, Bo. I mean, my gosh, Uh, third round pick. It's like they traded half their roster. Okay, here's the case. It's very simple. I mean, think of all the lean years of watching the Philadelphia Eagles with terrible quarterback play and teams that had no chance to do anything, and now you're going to try to play it safe and say, oh, this third-round pick is going to doom them for the next decade. How about roll the dice a little bit and take a shot and see what happens? You have a quarterback who is in the middle of really a historic stretch here, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions uh, since he got back, completing over 70% of his passes, playing like one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and you have a division that is terrible. Am I supposed to be scared that Washington is going to run away with this thing? So you assess your team. You say, we haven't played that great yet so far, but we've got the quarterback. We've got a weak division. How can we upgrade right now at the deadline? And they add Golden Tate. Now, listen, I don't think this is like the most ideal pickup of any of them. I think a field-stretching wide receiver would have been better. But I think if you look at the best teams in the NFL right now, the Chiefs, the Rams, the Saints, they are teams that are very difficult to defend. And the Eagles just have not been difficult to defend this year. And I think Golden Tate at least will add an element of that. I'm not saying, again, I don't think he's going to be the answer. It's not guaranteed that it's going to work. But you take a shot. Now you can put together uh, Golden Tate, Alshon Jeffrey, Zach Ertz. All right, now you're becoming a little bit tougher to defend with elite quarterback play. Yeah, within like 20 yards of the line of scrimmage. Uh, Please. You did not not present that to the court. Thank thank you. I forget what the term is because I'm I'm just a sports talker. Objection. (laughs) Objection, that's the word. And, and yes, you, you are very likely to get a comp pick if Golden Tate walks after the season. So if you look at it as you're trading away a third rounder in 2019 for Golden Tate and a fourth rounder the following season, I don't see how that is a crazy gamble. I mean, you mentioned the 50 pick drop there. Imagine being so confident in your abilities to evaluate players like that's really going to make a difference. I mean, look at how many people passed on Kareem Hunt. Anyway, it happens every year. So, so it's not really that big of a deal. I think the only chance for this team to reach its ceiling this year is to get better on offense, get to be that offense they were a year ago. Golden Tate, someone who is great with the ball in his hands. He's another weapon. He helps you on third down. Uh, maybe he can help with your style of offense. Carson Wentz is taking way too many sacks here. Maybe he can get let you get the ball out uh, a little bit quicker. So, uh, This is not a home run of a deal. I don't want the court to be confused. It's not a home run deal that puts them over the top. It's a reasonable gamble to take because the downside is not that great, and it gives you a chance to maybe, perhaps, reach that ceiling in the second half of the season. I have chosen to side with Shield because 
flags fly forever, and you only have a certain window to win a Super Bowl, and this is the Eagles' he chance. He barely keep... even deliberated. It's like, it's like you made up your mind before honestly, the case. Honestly, yeah, I, was, I was confused about halfway through yours. There was a lot <laughs> going on there. I needed more concise from, from Bo Wolf. I need a more intelligent judge. <laughs> well, that's you came to the wrong judge, <laughs> if we're being completely honest here. 888-729-9494. I need a judge who drinks wine. Well, wine's bad. That's a, that's a problem with wine. But 888-729-9494. Where you come down is Golden Tate trade. I love the Golden Tate trade. She loves the Golden Tate trade. Bo does not like the Golden Tate trade. Anthony in Leventown, you are on Birds with Friends Radio. How you guys doing? Good, man. What's up? Um, I actually woke up. I had worked midnights, and I woke up to a couple texts, and we got Golden Tate. And I was, it was kind of like a whatever move, but, I mean, it's just another it's just another weapon for Wentz. I mean, they kind of don't use Aguilar maybe as much as they should. Um, some of the play calling, I mean, Peterson is very confusing with his play calling, um, but I think um, I think Golden Tate and I think the bye week, I think it's all coming at a really good time. Try to get guys healthy. Um, did I expect maybe, I don't know, a defensive back or something like that at the trade deadline? Probably. Um, yeah, I think, I don't know if you said it or one of the other guys, I think we do get a compensatory pick if uh, Tate walks so, yeah, I think it I mean, turns like a fourth-round pick, basically. Yeah, I mean, either way, you're getting a pick back, so I don't think it's a major loss. Um, I think you're going to see a different Eagles team after the bye week, and I don't think uh, – did we get older a little bit? It's just another year, you know, of other teams getting better. It's not like we're bad uh, finishing games. It's just kind of been a problem. Um. Yeah, sounds good, Anthony. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second here because I want to ask you guys: um, Is there? Do you think there's a chance that that Golden Tate does sign here after the year? I would say there's a, a little bit of a chance. I think if he, you know, lights it up here in the second half of the year, you have the option to let Nelson Aguilar walk. He's going to cost a lot of money if you kick in that fifth-year option. So, yeah, if Tate looks like a really good player and a perfect fit for the offense and he fits in with your culture, I think there's a chance. Is it likely? I, I think it's probably unlikely. I don't think that's why uh, they made this move. But, yeah, I would say maybe, I don't know, 10 15% maybe. Yeah, I think that, that sounds about right. And, you know, in the short term, the one other thing that I think – makes sense is that the Eagles last year, if you talk about getting back to what worked last year, were so good in 11 personnel, right? And they have really struggled there this year, especially running the ball. Maybe there's uh, some school of thought that, that Golden Tate will help that out, uh, make them a little bit tougher to defend, like you've said before, because they've been so good out of 12. But, again, I think the court made the wrong decision. You know what I think? And I also had this thought. I wonder, you know, they talk about self-scouting during the bye week. I wonder if D- Dougie P is going to throw on some Andy Reid Chiefs film and say, you know what, they go with those. Now, granted, they do not have the weapons that the Chiefs have, but the Chiefs like to go with those empty set looks, uh, put Pat Mahomes back there, spread it out with five wide receivers, and you can get the ball out of his hands very quickly to make up for some issues on the offensive line. And I I think that's an area where now you can throw, you know, Tate, Aguilar, Jeffrey, Ertz, Goddard. Maybe you can move the ball a little bit more efficiently uh, with that setup. And what happens to Aguilar now? I, I, that's the one where yeah. it feels like they're going to bury Aguilar. Well, what's weird is what has happened to Aguilar all season. Right. Right? I mean. Well, it's weird how they use him, though, at the same time. Like, they're not really giving him an opportunity to stretch the field. It's been these jet sweeps, fake jet sweeps, to, to window dressing for the defense. Yeah, and, a lot, of, and a, lot of, a lot of short routes. I thought the way they used him last week against the Jaguars, that one 
uh, play where he sort of came dragging acro- across the uh, the secondary was was sort of the way that we've expected him to be used. And so, you know, I don't know. Maybe that is also part of the self scouting. And it is weird. There is obvious overlap between him and Tate. Yeah. Obviously, Tate has more experience on the outside. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. But again, I mean, you, are you expecting Golden Tate to to step in right away and be like a productive? smooth member of this offense. It's going to take a couple weeks, right? And by that point, what are you getting, six games out of him? Yeah, I asked Howie Roseman that exact question, and that'll be interesting because it's not a position like running back where typically a guy can just come in and play right away. It still is that West Coast offense. I mean, they were making the case that what he's going to be asked to do here may not be all that different than what he's done in the past. But, yeah, I think you can certainly expect those growing pains. I don't think Aguilar is going to get buried. I think they're going to play Jeffrey Aguilar and Tate is going to be their uh, most frequent wide receiver combination. I think Jordan Matthews probably gets buried a little bit here and turns into a rotational player. But the point that Tate and Aguilar duplicate their skill sets, uh, I think that's a fair one and something they're going to have to get figured out. Tams in Coatesville. Tam, uh, what's up? Hi, man. Does this work? Yeah, you're on. What's up, buddy? Oh, nice. I got my cellular device. Hey, that uh, it sounds like I'm talking to some coaches here, huh? Uh, they're not coaches. They're just smart football the men. Ne- the next best thing. Okay, that's great. Well, let she'll, me tell you about Golden Tate. she some football now, I'll tell you what. I, I think this Golden Tate trade is going to take us over the top. You know what I mean? I think it's going to be nothing but good. So, for, for you being the guy that... Um, doesn't like wine? Oh, man. I'm sorry. I can't. I'm glad this is your first show because it might be your last. <laughs> what does wine have to do with Golden Tate? I'm with Tam. Tam well, for president. let me just say here, wine can make you forget about everything that's happened in the past. Uh, so, so that's can, right. Whatever you thought about with Golden Tate, this, this could be good. So can beer, Tam. Well, yes, that's true. That's true. Tam, yeah. I think I think you enjoy both of them. To be honest with you, is that true? Uh no, no. I, I like I like my water. It's all good. <laughs> but I just wanted to tell you now. guys, I really appreciate you guys, and uh, thank you so much for bringing the Eagles to life around here. But let's not crush them, okay? We'll try our because best. The Cowboys coming in two weeks are uh, they're they're going down. Yeah, they are, Tam. Thanks for the call, Tam. Thank you, that's Tam. a that's a classic Coatesville accent, if I ever heard one. <laughs> just straight out of Coatesville. Straight out of Coatesville there. All right, uh, we're going to take a break. On the other side, three big questions. Usually it's first segment. We're doing a second segment. Uh, three big questions with Bowen Shield, and that's coming up next. Well, that's interesting. Interesting comeback music. You're listening to Birds with Friends Radio. I am Jack Fritz, along with Shilkapadia and Bo Wolf from The Athletic, The Great Athletic, which I stole stats from this morning to prove my points on the radio. That's why you guys are here. It's time for three big questions. Some say the most important segment of this entire thing. Actually, I would say that because actually we get into the nitty gritty with our with our Philadelphia. Mm. I only agree because you made the wrong judgment in flock trial. Why? Oh, because flock trial. Yeah. I so I thought it was flock court. <laughs> That's that was on me. All right, so those three big questions surrounding the Philadelphia Eagles at this time. First question, and this has really been my main topic tonight. Is the defense good enough for the Eagles to make a serious run at this? You want to lead it off, Bo? Sure. Uh, I mean, I think the defense is not that great, but, yeah, I mean, if we accept that uh, the offense is going to turn things around, then, yeah, the defense is is fine. If you look at 
the Patriots last year in the Super Bowl. They had the second-worst defense in, in the NFL. The Falcons the year before in the Super Bowl had a bottom-10 defense in the NFL and still made it to the Super Bowl. And they so both lost. They both lost, but I think we could agree that a, a Super Bowl run would be a serious run for yes, these purposes. Sure, I mean, true. yeah, I mean, the, the, point. the point has been made that most defenses in the league are not that great this year. The Eagles are, I think, 15th in DVOA on defense right now. So, uh, I mean, they are there are certainly some holes. It seems like I could score uh, against the defense in the second half of games at this point this season. Uh, the secondary has all these issues. The defensive line is is hurt, and uh, who knows if they're going to get Tim Jernigan back. But all that said, as long as the offense uh, does its job better, I think the defense will be will be fine enough. Yeah, I mean, I think there's one formula for this team for this team to make a run, and that's the offense goes off and figures it out in the second half of the season. Like anyone expecting this defense to make some type of leap or play a lot better in the second half, I, I really see no no situation where that's going to happen. But to answer your initial question, I think the answer is yes. I mean, Bo made the point, and, and the Eagles right now are allowing 19.5 points per game. That's the seventh best in the NFL. Think of how terrible it feels like they're playing, and that's the seventh best in the NFL. Last year, they allowed 18.4. But that feeling that you have is yes. that feeling that is down in your gut. Yes. And when you're watching this Eagles defense, I know numbers are great. Yeah. The, the numbers don't back up the 19 points a game, and that's what I thought the numbers you laid out this morning on the Athletic. Yeah. I thought highlighted that very well. Well, I think that's true. And if you look at how easy it's been for defenses to, or for offenses to score against them in the second half, that backs up what you're saying. But at the same time, if the offense, in the midst of those big runs by the opposing teams, could I don't know sustain a drive here or there, then those points would be even fewer. So just just because they're not as good as last year doesn't mean they're not good enough for the Eagles to still win the division. I would agree that the points allowed a lot of smoke and mirrors there. I mean, if you look at the last two drives that the Jaguars had in that game. On one of them, Blake Bortles makes actually a nice throw to DJ Chark, and the guy drops the ball in the end zone. And, and this is one I didn't realize until this morning, re-watching it. There was another play, if you remember, it was a fourth and one, and Blake Bortles kind of rolled out to his left, and he ran for one yard. Yep. Eagles completely busted coverage on that play. There is a Jaguars wide receiver running down the left sideline with like his arms up in the air, like you would see in a movie, you know, when like the quarterback sucks and the wide receiver's getting mad and being all animated. That that's what was happening. Well, on that's this play. basically the Jaguars offense. That's true. That that's true. And so I mean, you know, the Eagles will talk a lot about, oh, hey, we finished last week and it was a change. It was almost the exact same thing as the Panthers game, except they got lucky because the opposing quarterback was terrible. And look at the guys you're going to have to play if you get into the playoffs. I mean, potentially Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Jared Goff, whether you think he's in that class or not, their offense is obviously prolific. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't see this team winning playoff games where they're limiting the opponent to 19 points per game. I'll say that much. And that's where I'm at when I look at the defense. It's like the Eagles' defense made me nervous about facing Blake Bortles, Yeah, which I should never feel that way. And the, 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 the second-half lead stuff, I mean – the numbers are you laid it out perfectly. I mean, what are they? Twenty fourth in, in in second half of points per drive in the second half. They're twenty fourth. They're eighteenth in yards per play, uh, and, and and the opponents have converted fifty percent of their third and fourth down opportunities. Yeah, that's incredible. And, and it's you know, bad. it's not like they've really faced a murderer's row of offenses. You still have to go to New Orleans and Los Angeles. I mean, I said to Bo as we were watching that game and that comeback in the second half, I was like. If Blake Bortles comes back right. and finishes this, the season is over. Like, there's no coming back from that. Season's I over. Think... <laughs> city's melting. I think the one sort of reason for optimism for the defense is that you just hope that there's some regression in terms of creating turnovers. They 
have not been able to create turnovers this season. They were so good at it last year. Hopefully that sort of reverts a little bit back to the mean in a positive sense and they get a few more turnovers. That's really it. Yeah, I wonder. I mean, we talked about self-scouting with the offense. I wonder if on defense they're like, listen, you know, Jim Schwartz's usual message is, hey, let's not give up big plays. Let's make offenses string together long drives. I wonder if at this point they're like, let's just go a little more high variance. Let's get aggressive. Get Asante Samuel out of retirement. Yeah, let's throw some blitzes out there, go for the interceptions, go for the strips. If we give up big plays, who cares? We'll give the offense the ball back because kind of the way they want to play, which is rushing with the front four and and being, you know, having seven guys in coverage and making opponents work for it. Like, I don't, I don't know if you can play that formula with the current personnel. It hasn't worked uh, through eight games, and I wonder if they'll change that a little bit. They were more aggressive with their blitzes, certainly uh, against Jacksonville. They were until the fourth quarter. Yes. And then right. they started rushing four again. And it, I feel like if, they, if the defense wants to, to turn this around and, and look like the defense that it was last year, obviously the personnel is way different. I mean, Travion Webster and, and, and Josh Sweater are just not on the same, yeah. not on the same level as Bo Allen or or uh, Vinny Curry, or even Derek Barnett, who's now a starter. I mean, that's great, because you don't even know the guy's name. That's yeah, how, that's how unimportant like, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank what you. are you talking about? <laughs> <Trevon> <laughs> Hester. <laughs> this guy, that's, that's the point. Well, that, I was that, like, that's, oh, you're right. a deep yeah. drive. That's exactly the point. Yeah. <laughs> you're but, proving my point. Both thought the Eagles made another trade while he was in Paris yeah, or something. For, <laughs> but, Zutalor. But, yes. But it's true. On that last drive, they're trotting out a defensive line of Josh Sweat, Bruce Hector, Trayvon Hester and Chris Long. I mean, come and on. And Bruce Hector is no longer with us. And Bruce Hector is no longer on the team. And Trayvon Hester got traded for Trayvon Webster. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Second question of the big three questions. What's the biggest reason for second half optimism? Go ahead. Well, it, it, I think it, it comes down to the court. Court. Coach. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. <laughs> coach. Quarter, that was karma right there. That's exactly what you get. The coach-quarterback combo. You know, I think so many uh, of these teams, if you're just, like, ranking the teams based on coach and quarterback, the Eagles would probably rank up there. And I, I think, you know, Doug Peterson, I don't think he's had a great year. I don't think he's had a great first half of the season. I think you saw some signs of it last week where they were scheming up some of these downfield plays. The game plan uh, seemed to be a little bit better than you how to attack the Jaguars. So, if you have confidence that, hey, Peterson can figure this out, you know, it's this point in the season, he knows who he's got to work with, and they have a bye week here to look at what's working, what's not working. And then you have the quarterback. Uh, I mean, 70.7 completion percentage, 7.9 yards per attempt, 13 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's just playing really well under what have not been great circumstances, whether it's uh, pass protection. By the way, Wendell Smallwood. How is this guy out there on third downs? I mean, rewatching the guy. I mean, he's all these big hits it's you see on Wentz, and you want to say the offensive line is playing poorly, and then you rewatch it, and he has no idea who to block, where he's getting run over, and all the offensive linemen are looking at him after the play. It's well, the no. most confounding part of what, what happened to Corey Clement because last yeah. year he was so good on at picking up blitzes on yeah. third down. That's what he still that, is. What was so impressive about him as a rookie who never had to do that in college. Yeah. And he's not playing even in that. He can't. He can't even battle through whatever he's either the hamstring injury. He can't even battle through that to be on third down and help yeah. protect Carson Wentz. It's it's mind blowing. Yeah, that that that's absolutely got to change. So uh, if you believe Peterson can get it figured out, and then it, you know, I think we made this comparison before, but maybe it's like one of those Packers teams with Aaron Rodgers, where they start out uh, five and five or six and five, and you think this isn't their year, and then all of a sudden you realize they have one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and they go on a run and they make some noise uh, in the playoffs, even though they they usually disappoint there. But I think that's sort of the scenario 
that you can hang your hat on uh, if you want to be optimistic about the Eagles. And this is kind of the first time, uh, obviously the first time they won the Super Bowl, but the first time they've had to learn how to work a season, go through a season being Super Bowl champs playing into February. Like, we saw the, the Falcons have taken steps back pretty much every year. And if you look at uh, prior Super Bowl champions, I mean, like the Patriots, after they won the Super Bowl, they didn't go back to the playoffs. Like, I think there's something to that, to where a team has to get mentally prepared for defending a Super Bowl title. It's why you don't worry about the Patriots anymore because they're so used to it. Yeah. Well, beyond even the, the mental aspect there, I think there's reason for optimism that perhaps uh, playing into, the, into February took a physical toll on this roster, and that's why they started so slowly. They've got all these injured guys. I think you could make you could if you're if you're looking at at glass half full, you can make the case that they're going to get these guys back healthy. You know, a guy like Brandon Graham who didn't uh, participate in training camp and then started the season right away. Maybe he comes on late. Um, I think that's one of the possible reasons for optimism. But really, it all comes down to Carson Wentz for all the reasons that Shields said. If Carson Wentz can be as good as he has been and, and even a tick better, then it, it almost doesn't matter what else is going on with the team as long as they can protect him enough for him to do some magic, then they can, as a team, make some magic. Do you think that Doug Peterson uh, took a step forward in that Jaguars game? Like from a, from a scheming, play calling, that side of the ball, like, do you think Peterson it kind of found his groove a little bit there? I felt like there were positive signs there. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I think the... One throw to Nelson Aguilar, I think it was like a 39-yarder. Like, that was beautifully schemed up. He didn't beat anyone there. That was just all the play design uh, freeing him to get wide open. If you look at the screen to when, I mean, you're running a screen to Wendell Smallwood, and it results in a 36-yard touchdown. (laughs) They got the Jaguars in a perfect look right there where Kelsey and Sayamalu barely had to do much uh, for that block. So, yeah, I think I uh, I would agree with that, that this was a game where, they figured out some ways to scheme things up. And if you look at their explosive plays, I mean, you know, I thought they needed a field stretcher for sure. Uh, Carson Wentz is up there in explosive plays since he's come back into the lineup. So they have found ways to scheme those up, even though they don't have that prototypical burner on the outside. I'm a little cautious of saying that, you know, Sunday's game was some great shakes. If Again, if Josh Adams' butt doesn't hit the ground, you know, a split second later, then they probably lose that game. Yeah, but so, that's not Peterson's fault. I'm talking about like scheme wise. It feels like they kind yeah, of no, I know, but I'm just play. saying like let's let's take a step back. They probably just as easily could have lost that game as 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 they won it. So I mean, yes, it's true they had five explosive plays against a defense that had the fewest allowed coming in. That's great. Uh, maybe there were some positive signs, and I think I you you sort of trust Doug Peterson to take full advantage of the bye. I think there are some reasons for optimism, but I don't. I'm not. I'm not willing to say just because they won that game that uh, all of a sudden things are bright. Yeah, and I wonder if they found something with Carson kind of moving outside the pocket. Like, first, the, for the fumble and the interception, like, he was inside the pocket, and they'd been letting him get crushed. And now that the offensive line's kind of breaking it down a little bit, I feel like they're going to keep rolling him out and letting him make plays outside the pocket. Well, if nothing else, it was a good sign that they were able to adjust, because you're right. I mean, the first couple series, batted passes, he's getting sacked, you're playing, you know, three backup offensive linemen, and that, it seemed like they adjusted on the fly and said, we got to get this, you know, move this guy uh, out of the pocket, find ways to help our offensive line. And I think that's going to be the, a key the rest of the way because you're going to be missing Lane Johnson for a while. Who knows if Jason Peters can get through these games. You know, Jason Kelsey had been playing with an injury. Isaac Sayamalu a little bit up and down. So uh, I think there are certainly going to be games, especially when you go up against good defensive fronts where you can't just say, hey, it's like last year and our, our offensive line is going to be better than them and we can handle them on every snap. I think they're really going to have to find ways to help those guys.
All right, final uh, big question. I know there's been little questions in the big questions, but I, I, I like that. Mix it in a little I bit. I had a lot of questions yeah. I, that I wanted to get out there. Yeah. All right, final big question, not a little question. Who's a player on the current roster capable of elevating his game and being a difference maker in the second half? I, uh, For the reasons I just said, I, I kind of like Brandon Graham here. Uh, I think there's a, a, a likelihood that maybe he's just a little bit over the hill and this is sort of the beginning of the decline and he won't even be back with the Eagles next season. At the same time, you could convince me that he is starting slow because of the offseason uh, of dealing with an injury, and they really need help on the edge right now, obviously, with Derek Barnett gone. Michael Bennett has been very good. Chris Long has been not quite as good as last year. If Brandon Graham can sort of take his game up to last year's level, that would be a, a huge improvement for the defense. Yeah, I think that's a great one. I mean, I was looking at some numbers today. Uh, one and a half sacks and 16 hurries. That's it for Brandon Graham at the midpoint of the season. And I he mean, looks slower, too. Yeah, he, he looks like he's not impacting the game as much as he yep. has uh, in the past. I mean, to put 16 hurries into context, Fletcher Cox has 45. Wow. You know, and he's playing, I mean, he, don't get me wrong. He's been unbelievable, <laughs> but he's played on the interior. But, you know, that just kind of shows you that those guys were kind of closer together as a tandem last year. So I think that's a good one. Uh, I kind of struggled with this, with, which made me a little bit pessimistic yeah. about the Eagles prospects, to be you know quite honest about it, that there aren't like, Five guys where you can say, all right, if any one of these guys steps it up in the second half, it's going to be a big difference maker. There might be like two guys. I think Graham's the best option on defense. Offensively, Nelson Aguilar. I mean, this guy was so, so good last year, and he's just like a non-factor this year. I mean, these plays where, uh, like you mentioned, the jet sweeps are throwing him the ball in the flat and saying, hey, make a guy miss one-on-one. I think scheme has something to do with it. You know, I think they do need to find ways to get him the ball downfield. At the same time, when he's one-on-one, like against a safety, he's not often winning those battles either. So I think some of it uh, falls on him, and you kind of wonder, you know, where he is at this stage in his career. Um, I don't want to say 2017 was a fluke. I don't think it was a fluke, but maybe that was the ceiling, and uh, maybe that will be more the exception than the rule for him. And he's got a lot at stake here if he wants to get sort of a big contract in Philadelphia or elsewhere in the next couple of years. So maybe he's a guy who can be helped out if he is on the field still a lot with Golden Tate and uh, and make some more plays in the second half of the season. And for me it's Corey Clement. Uh hopefully he can kind of take the reins of the I don't know if it, I don't know if with him it's if it's they don't trust him as much as last year or if it's the injuries if they're haunting him a little bit. Yeah. I don't know which it is. I I really don't There's Corey. something going on. There's just yeah. something weird going on with Corey Clement. All right, before we hit a break uh, Shiel, tell us about uh, the promo code at the, at the Athletic because I remember this time. There you go. Uh, theathletic.com slash WIP. Jack has done a great job selling it. Uh, the entire show, you know, you get Eagles coverage, Sixers, Flyers. Forgot the promo code but did remember to talk about it a lot. There you go. Flyers, Phillies, theathletic.com slash WIP. It gets you 30% off. There's no ads, uh, no clickbait, no autoplay videos. You get a free trial if you use that promo code. So uh, check it out. See what you think. All right. On the other side, we have a Halloween-themed Third segment from Bo. Bo spent a lot of time on a plane today, and he had a lot of time to think about some Halloween-themed segments in relation to the birds. That's coming up next. Welcome back. Birds with Friends radio final segment here. Let's get right into it because both me and Sheila are very confused. Like, we don't know. We're going to this dark, and Bo's got a dark side, and we're not totally sure where this this Halloween-themed third segment of Birds with Friends is going. Well, I, you know, I noticed uh, Joe Giglio, like, three episodes in with us, he needed a break. Right. And had to call out. And you, perhaps, in your first 
episode with us, you may get fired because we have no idea, no idea what Bo is going to say here. So uh, for me, it's very exciting. I'm kind of in a win-win, uh, win-win situation here. All right, sounds good. Bo, take the floor. Well, Birds with Friends devotees know that uh, we like to do you know games from time to time, always with a, a bird pun. Now, I know that Sheila's not a big Halloween guy. He likes oh. He, he's a big anti-Halloween guy. Is Quickly, that why he's here tonight? That is why he's yeah. here. All right, cool. The guy one, came to hang out with you guys? <laughs> number one favorite candy. Quick. Uh, Mike and Ike's. Mike and Ike's. Oh, my God. The like worst take on How this station. How is Mike and Ike's bad? I cannot believe that. I why? may have to walk out right I here. Have to, that is disgusting. That, Mike and Ike's are disgusting? Mike and Ike's is your number one candy? That yeah. is like. Mike and Ike's lemonade. That's like saying Wendell Smallwood's your favorite running back of all time. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Wendell Smallwood, the Mike and Ike of running. <laughs> they taste back. great. Wow, that is shocking. Okay. I don't even know how to move on from that. Yeah. That is shocking. So you better just. All right. So uh, we didn't go heavy into the Halloween theme. The name of this game is Robin for Apples, like Bobbin for Apples. This is a classic wagering game, okay? I know you're a man who likes to place a wager, Jack. Every so once in a while. So here's what will happen. I'm going to give you a category, and you are going to go back and forth wagering how many of the category you think you can name without getting it wrong. So, for instance, if I said all 53 players on the roster, Sheila would start the bidding, say, I think I can get 44 without a miss. You could outbid him if you want, 45 and back and forth, until you call his bluff, and it, on and on we go. So we'll start. We're not going to do that one, right, 50? We're not okay, going to do that. that wouldn't be good radio. We're going to start. And now, you know, Sheila often feels like he's losing these games, and so I feel like he has a chance to come out with a victory. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I feel like I'm being set up to fail. I feel like you're trying to embarrass me on this my first This is what show. he does to me generally on these. Sounds yeah. good. All right, let's get started. The category is the eight players who are currently on the Eagles injured reserve. Jack, you can bid first. How many can you name without a miss? Uh, I'll bid four. Gio, would you like to bid five? Mm, no. Oh, you're going to call his bluff. Yeah, let's see if he can do let's four. Let's see if he can name four players <laughs> currently injured reserve without a miss. Barnett. That's correct. Matt Collins. That's correct. Mike Wallace. That's correct. And Roddy McLeod. That is correct. Mm, good job. Jack Fritz Surprise. takes the lead. Okay. I'm just going to do that every time. Just have you do it. That's okay. a good bet. <laughs> That's a good bet. Would you, like to, would you like to see if you can run the table? No. Okay. Jay Ajayi. Richard Rogers, Paul Warlow, and Ellie Buka. What about oh. Destiny Vaya? Destiny Vaya was released recently. Ah, yeah. that's a good point. That would have been fantastic if you started out with Paul Warlow <laughs> and then uh, just couldn't get anybody else. All right, next one. The eight games that are remaining on the Eagles' schedule, mm. however, you have to give me the week that the uh, game is. So you can't just say the Cowboys game. You have to say when it is. Mm. Sheila, you get to go first. Bid first. Mm. I will say two. <laughs> would you like to go three, Jack? Uh, sure, I'll go three. Sure. Would you like to go four? Would I like to go four? No. Let's see. Can you do three? Without a miss? I'm going to get through this game without answering a single question. That sounds like yeah. it. Week 10, Dallas. Correct. Week 11, New Orleans? Correct. Week 12, Washington. That is incorrect. You should have bumped right to the end. Shield, do you know the answer? To what? 
what week 12 is? Week 12. You know what? I actually thought it was Washington. Hmm. But if it's not that's Washington, I will say Houston. No, that's week 16. Giants? You know, Dallas at New Orleans, home against the Giants, home against Washington, at Dallas, at the Rams, home against Houston, and closing out with that Washington in week 17. What do you think about the uh, strength of that remaining schedule, not to hijack the segment? No, that's good. This is opening conversation. Okay. I mean, at New Orleans, at Los Angeles are the toughest games, right? It's almost Easily. like those games don't matter. Why? Why do you because say that? I don't, that? Because I think a bye is out of reach for this team. Okay. And I think all that matters is the division games. Okay. So you lose both those games, and that would uh, potentially get you to six losses. Right. So they do, I mean, they do kind of matter because it, it's your— I uh, mean, if you say the, if, if, you, if the Eagles were to sweep their division games and lose the remainder, they would finish 9-7 and seven and win the division. Yeah, a sweep is a lot to ask for, though, I think. Yes, it is. How many division games do you think they win the rest of the way? This is the big thing. I mean, every player and coach is harping on it. Like, we got five division games, lad. We control our own destiny. I think they can only lose one. How many, do you, how many do you think they will lose? One. I think it's going to come okay. down to week 17 in Washington. Oh, well, you know what? I think Washington, like Washington they face one Their team. schedule is so easy. It's like one team I over really 500. True. I agree. I think it will come down to that game. Okay. Yeah, because it's one team over 500, I think, for the rest of the year, which isn't great for mm-hmm. our prospects. All yeah. right. Moving on. Right. Next up in Robin for Apples. Jack doesn't like when I hijack the segment like that. <laughs> no, this is perfect. Just keep it moving. The four players Good hosting. on the Eagles roster who have exactly one catch this season. Jack, you get to bid first. Two. Sheila, would you like to go for three? I can name two? I go do two. I, this is, I, this I, is ridiculous. I know I can name one. Listen, I am like a big wuss. I, I have no courage, so I'm not just going to... You know, say, oh, yeah, I can do this and flex I'm my muscles. I'm giving you a chance here to win, and you are you are squirrel. I guess I'm it's 1-1. Right? It's baby. One, one. Yeah, my right. strategy is perfect right now. Uh, one catch on the year. One total catch on the year. There are four players. Carson Wentz. That's correct. Oh. Um, next level thinking right Yeah, there. that's 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 next. That's why I'm doing this job. Yeah. Um, one catch on the year? Hmm. Uh, who is oh my god. DeAndre Carter. Incorrect. Oh. Shield? You, you, you should have fought Nick Foles. You got correct. Wentz and you didn't get Foles. Oh, yeah, I guess you're right. And then uh, Josh Adams is one, right? That's correct. I think you can get the other one. You think I can? Yeah. Uh, Carter was a good guess by you. Nice job. He has a couple now. Is it is it one of the uh scrub wide receivers? Your words not mine. <laughs> I would say it's. I can tell you it's it the player a who leads the team in yards per catch. Is it Mike Wa- Mike Wallace? No, no, he has no catches. It's Shelton Gibson, one catch for forty eight oh, yards. Gibby. So he's a deep play threat. Like we yes. got our deep threat. We don't yeah. need to Shields go get one. Shields winning two to one. Okay, strategy working out perfectly. Thank All right, you. these, these ones man. are. Uh, you're not. Shields not going to like these. Oh great. Uh, the two. There's only two players on the Eagles roster, Shield, whose first initial and last initial are the same. Can you name either of the two, or can you name one or two? The say it again. The the first, their first and last initial okay. are the same, like Melvin Mora. Okay, that's a good pull, uh, Melvin Mora. Wow, uh, I know I can do one. I'm trying to think if I can do the other one. I'll say one. We get you got to put uh, Fritz on a time Jack, limit. Jack, would you like you to know? go for two? No, I'll stick with one and see if she can get it. 
I mean, that was that was terrible wagering. Yeah. I don't like care. I said, You've I, been doing it this whole time. I'm I, trying, I, trying to get it back to you somehow. I, I said, I, I never see... won. You thought I was lying? <laughs> like, I'm calling your bluff. Brandon Brooks. Correct. Come on. Making it too easy for me. I own this place. I, I'm doing the next hour by myself. That was the wager. Good luck, buddy. Um, so I got to get two? I got to get one more. No, no, you're, it's no, over. It's he over. won. He got it. He won oh, the, there's he only won the one win. player? <laughs> no. He wagered one, and you called his bluff, and he got the one. This is why I'm bad at gambling. Corey Clement was the other. <laughs> mm, okay. Last one. The two players on the team who have exactly one sack, one of them is no longer on the roster. Okay, well, I know Go one. ahead. Destiny Vaya. Correct. And I'm going to give him, let's see if you can name them both. All right, He's Des- already lost. You have three, and there's uh, only five. Destiny Vaya and, and Brandon Graham. Incorrect. Bruce Hector? No. No. Which I would say this this free agent signing uh as yes has been not an oh. impact player. It has yeah. been not an impact yeah. player. Okay. Shield, oh. congratulations. You are the winner of the inaugural Robin for Apple. Thank you. Thank uh, you for thank you for being a good sport. Thank you. Well, I that's what I did here. You didn't get fired. That's a win. Not yet. Not yeah. yet. Uh that's gonna do it for Birds with Friends Radio. Uh before we get out of here, Bo, tell us about the promo code. Theathletic.com slash WIP gets you 30% off and a free one-week trial to everything that's going on at The Athletic. Not only Eagle stuff, middle of the Sixers season here in the bye week. Check out Godner, Derek Bonner, Mike O'Connor, who does the X's and O's better than anybody, and handsome Rich Hoffman, who covers football and basketball. I would call him a rich man's Charlie Ward in that sense. Wow. Don't miss out. Sounds good. We promise you'll be satisfied. Guys, uh, I'll see you next week, probably from the other side of the glass. I don't think they're going to let me just take Julio's job, but it's not out of the question yeah. from, from what I've been hearing. Who knows what happens tonight on Halloween? He, he took off tonight just to walk his kids around a neighborhood. It's, it seems like not a great reason to take off. Not committed to Birds with Friends Radio. I agree. I agree. On the other side, we'll get back into the Eagles' defense and maybe some more Sixers as they continue to depress me. That's coming up next.